Hey, you're listening to Overtired. I'm Brett Terpstra here with Christina Warren. Hey, Christina. Hey, Brett. Uh, this is episode 70, the hangover episode. It is the hangover episode because I'm hungover, you're hungover. Um, hopefully, when, I don't know what day of the week this is going to go out. So depending, if it's like you know Thursday, like we do a lot of times, then I doubt a lot of our audience will be hungover. But if you are, like props to you. Yeah, I honestly don't know the uh, the Im- it, the alcohol consumption of our demographic. Yeah, I don't either. I just and it, 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 I have to imagine like just because I mean this is not judgy at all. Like if, if you guys like drink during the week and like honestly like seriously more power to you. Like I'm very much like in favor of that. Uh, I just don't know how many people if the episode is going to go out during the week have. Um, so you're like, worried that we might miss our mark and somehow alienate some segment of the audience. No, I'm not. I'm just saying I don't know how many people in the audience are hungover. Like I'm saying like I'm hungover, you're hungover. I'm just trying to say I don't know how like we obviously know that like a lot of people in our audience are, are overtired, but I don't know how many of them are like over hungover. Over hungover. Oh, next podcast. Yeah, exactly. That's a new one, right? Yeah. So, hey. Hey. You announced something on Twitter this week about, you know, moving and switching jobs and going to work probably the last place I would have guessed. <laughs> yeah. You want to you want to tell us all that that don't obsessively follow you follow you on Twitter? Absolutely, which is most of you I'm sure. So, um I've decided to kind of make some big changes in my life. And uh that starts with um the fact that um in one one week from today I will already be in a new city, so I am moving to Seattle, Washington. Um, I am not going to be a journalist anymore. Um, I'm going to be a, a senior content project manager at Microsoft. 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 Fortunately, like you've always been, while a an avid Apple fan and Mac user, you, you've always known what was going on in the non-Mac spheres. So yes. I feel like even if they went through your history and said, would this person be loyal? Uh, yeah, I think I think it's a safe bet. It surprises yeah. me nonetheless. No, it's definitely um, not one of the, I mean, if you'd asked me a year ago, you know, um, Christina, uh, what, te- what what are you going to be doing, you know, in, a year from now? I'd probably be like, well, I'll be blogging about stuff, you know, I'll be writing about tech. Um, okay, well, what if you were to, to do something different? You know, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I ever would have anticipated and seen um, this particular career path or this company in my future. But I, but when the opportunity came up, I was very much interested in learning more. And then as I learned more about the opportunity, um, I was like, actually, this could be really, really great. So I'm very excited. Congratulations. Thank you. That is exciting. Big yeah. changes. I, I'm a big fan of big changes. It prevents Alzheimer's. Your brain will rewire <laughs> to some extent. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I've been doing the tech journalism thing for, for 10 years, which is a long time. Um, obviously, plenty of people do things like that longer. Um, but, but for me, you know, like it, as I kind of said on Twitter, I was like, you know, a decade ago, I was um, a, coll- a struggling, you know, college student trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life and um, learning, you know, kind of deciding to try this whole, you know, online writing thing. And then, um, you know, a decade um, later, I've, I've interviewed, I've been very fortunate that I've interviewed very important people. I've um, written, I think, some good stories. Um, I've worked some great places and um, I've accomplished a lot. 
and I didn't necessarily see, you know, myself switching careers, but like I said, you know, the opportunity, um, presented itself and I'm excited about trying something else. There's also something like, even though I, I loved what I did and, and, and I, and I'll, I, I will always continue to write like that's, that's, I mean, what I write might change and, and that sort of thing, but I'm, I'm, I'm always going to continue to be a writer. Um, you have, at least I had, you know, this, this past year, which has been difficult professionally. Um, you know, you have some feeling of burnout, at least I did. And I was just kind of like, I think mentally maybe open for changes that I might not have been open to before. And so when those opportunities presented themselves, it made sense to, to talk more and yeah, you know, it's, it's a, like you, like you said, I mean, it's a major life move. I mean, I think when I, when I signed, you know, the, the contract, it was one of those, like my husband was with me and we had kind of one of those who was like, would you like to, to change your life except, you know, slash cancel. Um, and, uh, because we're, we're obviously, we're moving away from New York, um, going to a brand new place. I'm going to a new industry. I'm going to be doing a completely different career. And that's a lot. It's a lot to happen. But, um, I think that, I think it'll also be a good thing. Well, I won't ask you right now if we're going to keep doing overtired. Um, I'll, I'll wait a month and then see how things are going for you. Yeah. I mean, I definitely want to continue to do overtired. Sure. Uh, I, but, you know, but you don't know, you don't know what things are going to look like in a month yet. That's true. That's true. Uh, I mean, the, the good news is like, I mean, I think in, in theory, what, what would be nice is that by switching careers, I'm actually going to be able to have more of a life and that's something that I haven't really had. Like my, my career has basically been my life, um, for the last 10 years, but especially the last six in New York. And, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, I'm looking forward to, I mean, I, I don't know 1000% yet, but it definitely seems like work-life balance is going to be better. And I'm excited about that. I can hope so. You make it sound like you're retiring, not switching careers. I, I, I'm not retiring, but I, 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 but, but, but it's just my, but my life is going to be very different. I just wanted to spend more time at home with my kids. Well, my kids, meaning my, my, my gadgets, but, uh, <laughs> my, my kids be, meaning my television. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it, 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 it'll, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of change, but I'm excited. I was listening while you were talking and there was this chirping sound in the background and I was wondering if you had already moved and we're like in a rustic hotel somewhere right now. But then I realized that's actually outside of my window ha. coming through my microphone here. Uh, spring peepers and chickens, apparently. Nice. Yeah. So I'm, I'll be holding mute on my mic when I'm not talking just so this does not sound like a barnyard episode. I didn't hear anything. So yeah, I was, I was like, I was like chirping. I was like, I, I'm pretty sure we changed the, uh, you know, batteries in the, um, smoke alarm. Cause there was a time when there was one in a hallway, um, that like needed to be changed and that the super wouldn't change it. And I wasn't willing to get on the ladder. My husband wasn't willing to get on a ladder and none of the other neighbors were willing to get on ladders. Cause I mean, who wants to really kind of break their neck trying to change, a battery in the hallway of the apartment and then there, you know, yeah, there was a whole thing. So there were certain podcasts that I was on where people were like, we hear this in the background. I'm like, I can't do anything about it. I'm really sorry. This oh is embarrassing. I can't do anything I, about it. It, it, it. Seriously. Like nobody wanted to just get on a ladder to shut it up for the whole building. You'd have been a hero. I mean, somebody finally did. They just, what they did is they just ripped it out. Well, yeah. Like, and that's fair to me. 
I mean, same. I spent a year without any smoke detectors because I I replaced the battery. It kept chirping. And I I think I took maybe two tries at it and then just removed it. (sighs) But hey, it was my house. So I was allowed to do that. Is there a legal requirement to smoke? Probably. Yeah, there is. In in like I mean, in, I, a, I, in a private home, are you legally I mean, I don't required know, like, to in, keep it from burning down? I mean, I know in apartments you are. I yeah. don't know about like homes that you actually own. I imagine it's violating something, whether it's, it's probably the law an insurance or not. agreement thing. Oh yeah, I, I I guarantee you that that your homeowner's insurance would probably be canceled if they were aware that you didn't have smoke alarms, which would then affect your bank loan. And wow, I took a big risk there. <sighs> yeah, wow. Okay, so big life changes coming up. Uh, yep. Every, everything seems to be flowing smoothly for you. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, the move happens on Tuesday. So we, we, okay, so today as we're recording, this is Sunday. We have packers and movers coming on Tuesday. So uh, the nice thing about this relocation as opposed to when I relocated six years ago is that, um, you know, the Microsoft is, is, is paying for um the move and and that includes hiring you know a company to come and pack and move and and transport everything um we will then be in a hotel uh for a few days and then on friday morning we fly out to seattle did you already go uh home shopping are you uh getting an apartment or we're gonna have temporary housing at first and then we're gonna figure that out once we get there because the first thing's first that needs to happen so i don't drive and i'm not sure if i'm going to be driving uh, but that definitely is a longer term project. Like that's not something that I can solve a week into uh, moving to Seattle. Um, but my husband, um, he will have to get his driver's license and we'll be buying a car. That will be something that we do very soon after we arrive. The problem is, and this just gets into a whole other thing, but like his Georgia driver's license is expired. His and because of that, he cannot get, he doesn't have a social security card. He has to order one. Um, which is difficult right now because we don't have an address for where we're going to be. And he can't get a New York driver's license without a social security card. And there's going to be like a number of ways to prove his identity and whatnot. Once we get to Seattle, we are going to have have certain documentation and things involved for him to be able to get his license in Seattle. It will work out, but it's just like a complicated thing. So because his Georgia license was expired, um, and, and because he didn't have the social security card, he couldn't just renew it. Um, there was like, uh, anyways, it was just kind of a pain. So um, we're, we're trying to figure that stuff out. But so once we get the car and all that, then we'll be much more open to like figuring out, okay, like where will we be living? What neighborhoods are we going to be in? Sure. People keep saying Capitol Hill, which sounds nice to me. I don't know. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll figure that out once we're there. That sounds like a, a horrible mess of paperwork that would just make me give up. Like yeah. The job sounds great, but mm, I don't have a social security card and this is going to just be a headache. Hmm. Cause that's how I, that's how I do things. Paperwork. Yeah. It scares me off every time. I, uh, only tangentially related uh, so I, I went to see my psychiatrist and let her know that on my new insurance, my meds were costing me 800 bucks a month out of pocket. And, uh, and she was aghast. She's, she dug up all these like savings cards, uh, where I could mm-hmm. get like a month of each med free while they figured out another option. None of them worked. So, and then her office didn't return my phone calls. So now I'm without meds because they cost too much. I have a doctor that's very helpful. 
but things went wrong. This weekend has sucked. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it'll be fine. Um, it's it's far from the worst problems I've had in the last year. How how do you have a, a other than a, other than that? Do you have any mental health updates that you want to share? Things are groovy. I'm super on top of like everything. I'm having very productive weeks. I am emotionally stable. I am happy, healthy, fit. I bought new belts again. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome, Brett. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, yeah. I guess my mental health corner update would be uh, clear and sunny. Fantastic. How's the weather right now in Minnesota? Clear and sunny. 70 degrees and sunny most days. It's warmer in Minnesota than it is in New York. Really? Mm-hmm. 66 right now, which is the warmest it's been in a while. It is 79 here. Wow. Mm-hmm. It has been wonderful weather if we're sitting out on the porch with sun tea and playing on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's very, it's, it's been a good week. It's been a happy good. week. I'm glad. Good. We're happy for each other. Have you had time to watch any movies or TVs this, this week? TVs? This week, TVs, not really, honestly, because I've been trying to say goodbye to as many people as possible. I get and, that. And, um, you know, like, I've been watching a lot of ER reruns. I've been watching a lot of How I Met Your Mother reruns. Amazing. Um, but have you seen Guardians of the Galaxy 2? I haven't. No, I've uh, wanted to, but, but again, it's just, it's like too much stuff happening. I'm, I'm going to tell you my favorite line out of context. Okay. It won't ruin anything. But when you hear it, you will think of me. Okay. Uh, when uh, Star-Lord says, I'm going to build some weird shit. It's exactly what I would have said in that moment. Um, yeah, so you'll get that when you get there. But it okay. is absolutely a perfect follow-up to the first one. It is not in any way like a, a bad sequel. Good. It is the beginning of a beautiful, hopefully long-running franchise. I love that cast. Yeah, uh, they're going to do a third one. Then the, the, the director's already confirmed that he will be part of. Yeah, and that's awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah. And uh, what's his name? Chris. Uh, Chris Pratt. Yeah, he is he is coming into his own. I still can't help but see him as his character Andy. from Parks and Rec. As Andy, yeah. Right? But he well, is so good as the like sexy, slightly immature, uh, like uh, star trooper dude. And he's awesome. Yeah. Well, what's so funny to me? So I've been a fan of his. So he was there was a there was a show on uh, the WB called Everwood. And it was actually I, I think we we might have even talked about Everwood on this podcast. It sounds before. familiar. Um, it was a show that, that, in all honesty, was too good for the WB as a network. Like it was one of those shows where it, it honestly should have been on ABC because um, it was kind of a family drama, but it was a really good show, um, really good cast, really good stories. And I think that if it had been on something like uh, like like ABC, it would have received Emmy nominations or at least uh, you know award attention. Um, and he was on that show. He played a character named bright. He played kind of the, the, the son. So the kind of the story was that this, this, you know, uh, Tom, like, like ritzy, um, like surgeon from New York moves to this town of Everwood, um, Colorado with his family after his wife dies in a car accident. 
and um, he's there with his, his his teenage son and his younger daughter. And he, you know, becomes kind of the town doctor, but there's already a town doctor and that town doctor is, is very different from him in a lot of ways. That town doctor had two children, uh, Bright and Amy and Amy, um, uh, is kind of the love interest of the, um, Ritzy surgeon's son and, um, his older son, Bright is kind of this nice, but kind of jockish kind of dim-witted the fact that his name is bright is kind of ironic he's not he's like not a dumb character he's just not like he's not the brightest bright in the family he's not he's not he's not the brightest bright in the family exactly and and that was chris pratt and chris pratt um was uh was on that show and he was very good on that show um he actually was in a relationship with his co-star uh emily van camp who played his sister which is weird um uh but also if if like you, I totally understand too, like why he would want to date Emily Van Camp. Um, like that makes total sense. So he was on that show and that was his first thing. It's and not then like we're was, blood related. Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> totally. Exactly. Exactly. And then he was on, uh, he was on, uh, the final season of the OC, uh, as kind of the stoner character. And then, you know, he did Parks and Rec. And so I've, he's been someone that I've enjoyed and have followed, basically since like the beginning of his career. And it's been so interesting for me. I mean, I think for everybody who knew him on on Parks and Rec and kind of knew that character and saw him go from kind of schlubby and like a a squishy guy, he was but never overweight by any means, but just not like ripped. Yeah, he was he was squishy. He was squishy. And then to go from that to like the final seasons of of Parks, they even had to like reference the fact that he'd gotten buff. And, you know, they, they had to like kind of like discuss it because it was like a weird it was like a weird thing that he become like this buck buck guy. But it was just it's so funny to me like that. I mean, I, I've been very happy to see his career take off the way that it has, because I always liked him as an actor, but he was always kind of under the radar. And even on Parks and Rec, like I think that they'd written him into, you know, the pilot and they hadn't really anticipated on keeping his character around. And then they did. Um, and then even, you know, after um the first season after he, he and Anne, you know, broke up, you know, the fact that he still was around and was, was like living in the pit, you know, it was just this funny, you know, they, they, they yeah. just, he was able to do a lot with that character and he was a very funny actor, but it was one of those things where I, I, as a fan of his for, for many, many years, like going back to Everwood, never would have anticipated or expected him to become like one of the leading man, you know, one, one, one of the leading men, Chris's as, as SNL did a great uh, bit on when, um, when Chris, uh, Who's the other Chris? The 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 the, the Star Trek. It's Chris Pines. And when when Chris Pine hosted SNL a couple of weeks ago, he like did a joke about like how he wasn't Chris Hemsworth, he wasn't Chris Pratt, he was Chris Pine, he wasn't Chris Evans, like, <laughs> and how they all kind of, you know, the, the, these white men all kind of, you know, there's this air of they all kind of look alike, and and that's all true. But I never would have expected that that Chris Pratt would be one of the Chris's that right. that we talk about. You know, never would have expected that. Very happy for it though, because I think he's very funny. Do you remember um, the TV show that Andy had in Parks and Rec, where he was the karate host? Uh, yes, yeah, that, that could was, be a real show. It could like, be a real show. I would show. watch that show. I mean, honestly, isn't that isn't that kind of what uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine is? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, obviously, it's a little different, but that's kind of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. I Yeah. I, I, I see. I like the in the uh, the Parks and Rec one, just the fact that it, it the whole show was whimsy yeah. <laughs> or like subject to his whimsy uh, at any <laughs> moment. Right. Wait, no, I love that, too. <laughs> 
Yeah. No, you totally could. You could totally do that show with probably that same sort of thing. Um, oh, sad TV news. Uh, I didn't even see the finale, but uh, but uh, uh, Two Broke Girls uh, has a, has been canceled. I cannot say I am either surprised or disappointed. I mean, it's time. I can't believe it lasted six years and the jokes never got. I mean, it was always the same thing. But I enjoy that show. It was one of those if it's like on syndication, like I'll watch it. Uh, I and, can't and, believe and, three and a half men lasted as long as it did. So now it can just be like five and a half broken people. Right. No, completely. I mean, three and a half men. That was or two and a half men. Sorry. Two and a half men. That was. Two, uh, oh, I was thinking of three men and a baby. Same yeah, thing. I mean, basically. <laughs> um no, I mean, the fact that like that show like not only lasted post Ashton, but like or post Charlie Sheen, but like Ashton was on for a number for a couple of years. Also, like, yeah, I remember when that happened, when that news broke. I was in Walt Disney World at a conference and having to write up the news and because because Charlie Sheen was going crazy on Twitter and then Ashton Kutcher was announced as the new star. And for whatever reason, and I've, I've never understood why this is the case. Um, Ashton Kutcher follows me on Twitter and uh, so I was like DMing him. He did not respond. But I was like, can I get comment on why you're joining the show? Like no response. Um, but the thing is, sometimes uh, people will respond to you. Like uh, Gizmodo has done a number of interviews with Elon Musk over direct message. Interesting. Where like he'll say, so, you know, he'll say something crazy because he's Elon and we'll be like, dude, what did you just why did you say this? And then he'll like get into a whole debate with whoever the reporter is. Um, over direct message on Twitter. Interesting. And then that will become an article. Huh. That is um, an interesting field in guess of investigative field reporting technique. Yeah, I mean, it's it's better than LinkedIn messages, which is uh, <laughs> another... I mean, don't knock it. Don't don't knock it. I've I've used it myself for reporting, uh, which you're trying to get into in, the bottom of things and trying to get people to talk to you, and you literally just like... Oh, I've used LinkedIn messaging to contact people I couldn't contact any other way. It's worked. Yeah. But it's like, hi, please tell me about X. <laughs> and uh, and then, and, you know, nine times out of ten, they'll ignore you. But like one time out of ten, they'll respond and you go from there. Yeah. So in, in happier TV news, are you yes. watching the current season of Archer titled yes. Archer Dreamland? I am. It's great. I agree. I heard a bunch of people that are like, oh, this is, feels like a weird stretch. They're like, because the, the season for anyone not watching it, the season takes place inside Archer's head after he goes into a coma. And he is a hard boiled, like 1920s detective. And mm -hmm. it's all taking place. And Lana Kane's like a jazz singer. And his mom is known as mother. And she's like a gangster. And it, <laughs> they have, like they spent the first couple episodes reintroducing the characters you already knew as these new nice. kind of figment versions of the characters. And it was I loved it right away. I but I too. wasn't sure where they were gonna go with it. By the time they got to the last episode, which I think was six, it was amazing. The writing was some of the best. I it, it reminded me why I fell in love with Archer to begin with. The conversation between the prostitute and Lana while they're working on her car on a on an empty highway that that I wanted to write the whole thing down. The exchanges were so brilliant. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. And and it's funny because I there, you know, and it's not just Jessica Walter being a voice. There's always to me been kind of even though the, the, the subject matter couldn't be more different. There's always been kind of a certain arrested development, like quality to Archer mm -hmm. to me. 
And this, <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Could be in large part because of Archer's mom. But Well, that's what I'm saying. It's not, but, but beyond just the Jessica Walter part, like I think that there's always been kind of an absurd, there's, you know, and kind of payoff is what I mean, you know, yeah. for, for, for kind of like, totally. you know, Rusted yeah. Development would set up a joke in one episode and it might not pay off. Like there was a case where they set up a joke in season one that didn't pay off until season two. Right. And, and the callbacks, and, <laughs> yes, yeah. they're brilliant. And, 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 and Archer does that same sort of thing. And that's one of the things I appreciate about what they're kind of doing with this season. And I get why some people like why some fans might be like a little like turned off. They're like, what are you doing? But I'm with you. Like, I think that it reminded me of like why I love the show to begin with. And also it was just kind of like a great like way to kind of hit the reset button mm-hmm. without, you know, hitting the reset button. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you're in a cartoon. So why the hell not? Like this would be something that would be really hard to do in a live action show. Oh, absolutely. It would be um, you know, I mean, I think the, the right sort of show might be able to do it, but it would be weird. Right. Yeah. Whereas this, uh, but, uh, the reason I say that is because like, I could imagine a David Lynchian sort of thing where like, let's imagine that, that like, uh, uh, Mulholland drive had been the TV show, like it was supposed to be, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, you could see that like that, you know, maybe they, they would have tried to do, you know, you could see like a Lynchian kind of perspective of trying to do something like it's that. But essentially, it probably it's essentially, you know, the episodes of Star Trek TNG that took place in the holodeck. Yes. It's like a whole season inside the holodeck. Yeah, no, it is. And, and, and it's, and it's, you know, it's, it's what I like about it. Like you've had the trope, you know, of, of it was all just a dream, you know, right. that the, 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 the bad writers used to get out of bad decisions. <laughs> and, the good writers and, used to get into them. Right. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what I love that this is like literally throwing it on its head where it's acknowledging from the beginning that it was all just a dream and that it's all just in his mind. But it you doesn't know? seem like they needed to do it. Like, it doesn't seem like it's a mechanism to get them out of no. any holes they no, wrote into anything. No, this is what I'm saying. That, that, that it, The fact that they're, they're, they're acknowledging from the beginning that they chose to do this. This isn't, you know, the making, uh, the, you know, that season of, of Dallas um, when <laughs> when uh, when Patrick Dempsey wasn't on. Uh, not Patrick Dempsey. Patrick, uh, can't think of his last his last name. I'm uh, not going to uh, be able to help you with this. It starts with a D. Uh, he was uh, uh, Patrick Duffy. Thank you. Sure, uh, you bet. Pat, I, 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 you know, where Patrick Duffy had hadn't had uh, signed off the show and they killed off Bobby, and then he, you know, comes back in the shower scene and and it turns out the whole season's been a dream. Like that was a ridiculous, like, and it was a huge show on television. So it, it, you know, the audiences for whatever reason in the eighties, I guess gave them a break, you know, and it's not even like the situation, like with, um, this was a much sadder situation, uh, with, uh, married with children where, um, uh, Katie Siegel, um, had, um, she lost her, her baby. And so she, they'd written her pregnancy into the show and then she was no longer pregnant and they didn't want to continue, you know, that terribleness. So they wrote the whole pregnancy storyline as just having been a dream. And, you know, that was obviously done for a very different reason. Um, but, but it's not one of those things like this is literally, they chose to do this, I think as a creative exercise and it just makes you see characters in a different way, see the humor in a different way. Um, it'll be interesting to see like if they ret- or I don't know if they're planning on returning to typical Archer, like at the end. Um, yeah, I assume I they will. I, I, but I honestly, yeah, I don't care. This is fun. Do, no, you, I agree. I, do you know where the term deus ex machina comes from? No, I don't. Um, it's machine of the gods. And in Greek playwriting, it became a common, uh, a mechanism for ending a play where the plot got too out of hand. They would just have the gods come in and fix everything at the end. Uh, instead of wrapping up plot lines, they would invoke the deus ex machina. 
And uh, and that's when 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 people do pull that like, oh, it was all a dream. We were sleeping the whole time and, it, and you can feel like, no, it just got out of hand. Right. Um, and you had no other explanation for the shitstorm you wrote um, that you invoked the deus ex machina. There, I you learned something today. I did. I did. There will be a quiz after the show. There'll be a quiz after the show. Okay. And I'm probably hope, entirely I wrong. I probably got that totally wrong. There's no, some, I bet you there's did. some I, theater teacher uh, listening right now. Going like, no, no, no. Email Brett. You email don't even Brett. know how to pronounce it properly. That's okay. Email Brett. I make a lot of stuff up as I go. It's fine. Uh, yeah. So um, I think I, oh, one more TV thing yes. that I'm sure you're watching. Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Uh, you, are you Good. Are you liking it? I am. I mean, it's, it's a lot right now. It's, it's, uh, the fact that, I mean, they got so lucky with the timing. I know. <laughs> um, I mean, they got so lucky with the timing and it was funny. I was at the Hulu upfront last week and they, it was one of those things where, um, I was like joking on Twitter. I was like, if you take a drink every time they, they mention handmaid's tale or this is us because Hulu got the exclusive, um, uh, like uh, streaming rights to this is us, uh, the NBC show. Uh, yeah. I was like, if, if you take a drink every time one of those two shows is mentioned or um, like you see an image of it on the screen, then you will be drunk like two minutes into this presentation. And you won't make it um, through. Exactly. And it was one of those things, you know, they've, they've already renewed it for a second season. Um, and uh, I've seen a lot of it because I got critic access. It's really good. Uh, but the, the timing, you know, is is so perfect. They obviously had um, proved this, uh, you know, greenlit this, put it in, into production before the election took place, uh, before, uh, the results of the election. Um, and it's, it's, it's interesting because this is, I love your take on this. Uh, but, but to me, it, this is one of those cases where I think that the show would have been successful and people would have talked about it, even if Donald Trump hadn't won. But I think that it wouldn't have been the same. Like this is one of those shows where it's success and it's kind of of the momentness is so directly tied um, in a lot of ways I, to, I to, agree. to Trump being elected. I mean, the, the book from the eighties was, it is a classic. It's, it's taught and, yes. uh, in colleges, uh, I would say it had its, uh, definite appeal the same way 1984 did by Orwell. Yep. Um, but New world by Huxley. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But the fact that this particular dystopian vision, uh, was made into a very high quality, TV series at this point in time, uh, it's going to ring way truer to people. It's going if you, watching it, there are certain aspects that you just feel like this is just on the other side of a veil from reality, right? Now. Exactly, it, it, precisely. And I mean, I think that's the thing is that you know, obviously, you know, Atwood was involved. She was involved with the with the adaptation. They made some distinct changes from the book. Like I even wrote an article for io9 um, cataloging all the differences from the first three episodes. Um, between the book and the TV sure. show. And, um, you know, some of those were, were, were made like the, the biggest one I think is, is, uh, um, you know, race was, or was a pretty, it wasn't like a central part of the book, but it was certainly this, that society was definitely racist in a way that in the TV show it's not. And that's not to say that race doesn't play a role, but it's not the same sort of thing. Um, I, the the creator of the the show, like the showrunner, he basically said that, you know, it would be very difficult to portray that sort of racist society without the show itself being racist if they were to do that, which makes sense. 
you know, so if it were literally all white people and, 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 you know, people right. of color were like in their own place, <laughs> like there's, there's, that'd be very, that'd be a very difficult thing to do on television in, in 2017. There, there are, um, there are references though. I mean, if you yes. look at the symbols written on some of the, uh, head bagged bodies that they you see hanging along the street. Oh, streets. definitely. Definitely. I just mean, but, 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 but it's, it's different where we're in the book. It was very right. much made clear that they are living in different places. Um, you know, that's not the case. But here. like you said, and, the author was part of making yes. those decisions, which is to me very legitimate. Yes. And I think, I think hugely, huge part of why it's been successful and, and why, um, it's resonating with people because, as you said, it is a classic. It's taught in colleges. It's taught in high schools. I read, I read it in high school. Um, I read it in college too, but, but, but I, I was you know, given it to read the first time when I was in high school and, um, having, you know, her, her point of view, having her, uh, perspective when adapting it, I think is crucial for these types of things. Uh, because otherwise you, you, you do kind of lose, you know, um, uh, authorial intent, you know, and, and yeah. it would be very easy, I think, especially with, with the subject matter of, of something like this, where if, if she hadn't been involved, it could have gone haywire. And sure. that's, that's, you know, that's not the case. And so I, I like that she's involved. I think the acting is really good. Even Alexis Bledel, who, uh, I have never thought of as a very good actress. Uh, I think she's good in it. Which one is she? She's, um, what's her face? Offer? She's the lesbian. Off, uh, no. Oh, uh, oh, um, I, um her name just changed in the last Auckland. Yeah. Uh, she's someone new, new now, uh, after yeah. her surgery, but, yes. um, but yeah, yeah, no, she's, she's doing great. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's one of those shows that the cast is put together well enough that I never once think about the casting while I'm watching it. Yeah, no, that's I would a great agree. sign. It, that's a great sign. And, and I mean the fact that, you know, they have, you know, Sumer Wiley who is on orange is the new black and obviously, um, Elizabeth uh, Moss from Mad Men and, and again, you know, Alexis Bledel from um, Gilmore Girls and Mad Men. Um, and you don't think about it like and, and you know, Elizabeth Moss as Peggy um, was was such a like known character, you know, like such kind of an iconic character. I think it's a real testament to her ability as an actress that you don't it doesn't read as Peggy simply being in this world. What's the actress from Orange's name? Uh, Samira Wiley. She I loved her on Orange is the New Black. Look, she was yeah. she was one of my favorite characters in the Definitely. first couple of seasons of that. Yep. Yeah, she is fantastic. And she has been uh, expanding in my like in my view, like from what I, I've seen, uh, her, she's covering this wide berth within like what she chooses to do. Yep, she's an amazing actor. She's a fantastic actor. She's fantastic. She it was it was it was great. She um, Elizabeth Moss and, and Alexis Bledel were all at the upfront like they came out and were you know trying to read off the teleprompter and and Alexis uh, Bledel was not able to read off the teleprompter. Um, Elizabeth Moss and Samara Wiley were. Um, that's just me being shady and mean. I, I don't know why I'm so mean to Alexis Bledel. If she's ever she she's never gonna listen to this podcast. I don't care. But like I I she I just. I, I think I think she's actually very good on the show. It's just she, I've never really been impressed with her as an actress. As much as I love Roy Gilmore, Gilmore and and Gilmore Girls, it's always kind of been in spite of her. Um, but no, but Basimir Wiley, you're right. She's so good. Like you're right. She was one of the best characters um, um, Orange Is the New Black. And when and when her character, um, what happened to her character at the end of the last season happened, you know that was like a huge blow to the show. But I was really glad to see her on this and and I'm glad that this show is getting the sort of attention it deserves um 
and that has already been renewed. It, it's it's interesting. Like this, it, it, this is and this is an important moment for Hulu because Hulu is trying to, you know, do more originals and really kind of trying to take on Netflix in some ways. They just launched their new live TV service, which is very good. Um, I like it a lot. Uh, the new user interface on the Apple TV. I would love to hear your thoughts on that because you're probably uh, we can hate totally it. talk about that right now. Yes, let's talk about it. <laughs> okay, so uh, you, you've known me long enough to know that when ma- major changes happen to operating systems and interfaces, I am always willing to give them a chance. Yes. I will sit back and say, I'm going to use it for a month and then see if I still miss the way things were yesterday. Right. Um, I am finding this new Hulu interface highly frustrating on yes. the Apple TV. Uh but first and foremost on my mind is I still have not figured out how to turn autoplay off. So I cannot stop it from just playing another show. And it doesn't seem to pick uh, a, a exceptionally smart next shows yeah. to watch. Yeah. Uh, it, fa- it failed to import my previous watch history when I when it updated. Like it, it asked me, do you want to import your current watch list and everything? And I said yes. And then boom, I'm at the screen where I have to pick my watch list manually and then find all of those shows unwatched. Right. Um, so that's a bad start, but that's not necessarily the interface. That's the onboarding. The interface, though, with the with the Siri remote, with the touchpad remote, it is clumsy to get through. Mm-hmm. If you want to go in and see episodes, you have to click and hold. Otherwise, it's going to play what it assumes is your next episode, which is super inconvenient when it doesn't know what you've already when watched. When it doesn't know what you've already watched because it doesn't <laughs> import your list. Yeah, no, you're, you're not wrong. Like it, it, it's a weird thing because I, I was in a weird situation where I've been I, I was reviewing the live TV service. And to do that, I had to get a brand new account. Right. And so my onboarding experience was different, although I then did go through that thing. And, and like you, I think it ate my my watch list, although to be honest, that watch list was not really up to date. Um, it, 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 there were, there were shows that have, there were things from nine years ago that were still in a watch list, you know? Um, so, uh, Hulu and Netflix both over the last year have done a great job. Uh, Hulu, especially of changing the algorithm it uses, uh, like the watch list idea last year changed Mm -hmm. instead of something that was manually curated by you, it became something that it would just fill in the blanks for you. Right. And it would do a pretty smart job of being like, well, we watched one episode of this. We're going to assume it goes on your watch list. So if there's a new episode of that that's newer than right. what you regularly watch, we're just going to move it We're still going to put it on. Exactly. Yeah. That's how I got new episodes of The Mick and things like that. Yeah. And, and I appreciate that. There was, there was stuff that I ended up watching entire seasons of and then realized one day that there was never, I had never actually added it to my watch list. It, I was impressed by that. Now yeah. I feel like my watch list is a mess. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And the, I will say the interface, it looks the same, but it's functionally better on the Xbox One because it has more buttons. You know, sure. so you, the, 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 the interface basically looks the same, but you have more buttons so that it's slightly easier. But I'm with you. And then like for the live TV product, there are frustrations, just like you were saying, having to press and hold to like go to the show and pick your episode it's hard to me, like I've, I've had to rely on the search function quite a bit because, you know, the watch list doesn't have everything on it and it's hard for me to just find my queue. And then it's also problematic with the live TV aspect uh, and the live TV service is in beta, but I actually think it's very good if you can get through the interface challenges. Um, I wrote a review about that for Gizmodo. Um, you know, like there, like with, with, with YouTube TV, with direct TV now, 
with Sony PlayStation um, View, um, they all have a Sling TV. Even they all have these like these, like buttons to like go live and to watch live content, and you can do that kind of with the Hulu Live, but it's buried like four layers in. Like I, I like that. So part of the reason they changed this whole thing, and it's annoying for non-live viewers, but part of the reason they they overhauled this entire interface is because of the live product. And their vision when I talked to them in January, you know, kind of behind the live product was that all of your TV will be in one place, regardless of if it's live or if it's on demand or if it's like catalog, like all of your shows are in one place and in one library. And I actually like from a concept level, I conceptually appreciate that. And I kind of like that. I kind of like not segmenting stuff out. But I do still think you should have like a live section like in your app so you can just immediately go there and browse through what's happening live. I, I, I'm not opposed to having my DVR content sitting alongside um, or, or even live shows that are, you know, available um, in, in a queue or whatever, you know, sitting alongside, you know, shows that I that I've saved to watch later. I'm not opposed to that. But, it, you know, the fact that you have to go through like like four different layers of menus to to watch to figure out what's what's airing live is frustrating. And and I think that when they overthought this interface and it is a very big kind of overthink and, and I think that they um, are, you know, they're getting a lot of uh, um, negative response from uh, from viewers from from users. I'm sure they're going to be making changes. You know, the, it feels to me like, and I'm not a, a, a designer um, like like you have been, but it feels like this was. You know, I, I saw somebody's commentary on this on on Twitter. I wish I could remember the person, and they basically said that like this is what happens when somebody needs portfolio work. Yeah, totally. And and someone, and someone like, came yeah, up was, with yeah. a beautiful vision and did not spend the time to figure out what was actually useful. Exactly, because it does look great. I mean, it I think does. visually, it's beautiful. And I actually think that on Touch, so again, so it's weird. They've updated the interface on Android. So if you use Android, you're stuck with this interface. And if you use the Apple TV, you're stuck with this interface. And But on the website, it hasn't been updated yet. And on the iPad and iPhone apps, it hasn't been updated. So you've still got those old things. However, if you have the live product on iOS or Android, they have or not Android, but on iOS, iPhone and iPad, they have this Hulu Live app now and that has the new interface and I do think that it's one of those things where some of the things you know work just fine for touch because you can just kind of touch and drill into things right it's easier uh, but as you said that Siri remote where you have you know a touchpad and a couple of buttons you're really limited to what you can do the Xbox one where again you're also forced to use this interface regardless of if you have the live product or not you know, it's better again because they've got, you've got a whole controller full of buttons that you can assign to things. The problem then is of course, figuring out what button does what and how to get back. Right. You know? Well, and so um, to interrupt, if I can, yeah, please, of course. Um, <laughs> yes, please. Uh, somebody stop me. Um, uh, the, the thing that, that made OS 10 now Mac OS great, uh, as far as consistency was that Apple provided uh, guidelines and a set of tools for making a certain amount of predictable consistency between applications. And this is not uh, currently, uh, there's no standard between apps. So once you figure out, you know, the four menus you have to drill down to get to what you want in one app, it means right. nothing in any other app. Every app is making different uses of gestures. Things move in different directions. There's no like a guaranteed yes. natural swipe direction. No, you're uh, right. It, like that stuff has to be worked out and it's not any one company's fault. Right. Uh, other than I could say Apple could have put stricter guidelines on that, but really. Well, I, 
Well, and I think that the reason they didn't is if you recall on the old Apple TV, the the the, the second generation, they did have guidelines. There was very much kind of a UI, um, almost uh, golden standards. I wouldn't even say it was a standard. It was almost like you know you had like a, a layout, like kind of a framework you had to use. Like there was a certain layout kind of right, you yeah. know, plug and play, right? So most of those Apple TV apps all looked the same. Netflix and Hulu were able to make some changes. Um, but, but they had to, for the most part, you know, they had to kind of follow certain guidelines. Roku's apps, for instance, all kind of have the same cookie cutter look and it's at this point pretty antiquated. Uh, but, but all Roku apps kind of look and feel the same. And the problem is, is that, you know, that's great for consistency from a user perspective and it's great for consistency from like a a device maker. So it's good for Roku. It's good for Apple. It's bad for Hulu and Netflix and any of their service providers because they have, or HBO, you know, they all have their own visions of how they want stuff to work. And I know from talking to Netflix over the years, they were always really frustrated with the, the constraints they were given by some of these set-top box makers where they had to fit into this cookie cutter stuff. And then they made it harder, if not impossible for them to add new features like continuous play sure. or adding things to your queue or, you know, having bigger, you know, areas to, to, to advertise and show off new shows, um, which is important to them to be able to you know, get people to click through and stuff. And so, you know, you can argue all you want, whether their ultimate goals, design decisions are, you know, user driven or or (laughs) driven by other things or not. And that's a different conversation. But I know that those companies were really frustrated with not being able to have control over the look and feel of their apps. And so I don't know this for a fact. I don't want to speak as if it is a fact. I feel confident in saying that I would not be surprised if one of the reasons why Apple is more open with the Apple TV things is because of feedback they receive from partners like Netflix, like Hulu, like well, and, HBO. And those partners are important. Exactly. Like, 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 like Major League Baseball, who basically said, we want to be able to control the experience because it's very important for Netflix. It's more important for Netflix, for instance, or for Hulu, even if we don't like this Hulu interface. It's more important for Hulu to have a consistent experience across all of their platforms than it is for Hulu to fit into whatever the UI standard is well, on a particular device. I will worry more about it when Apple, when their own apps are actually fun to use. Right. <laughs> do, right. Do you use the iTunes TV, the TV shows app on the Apple yeah, TV? Yeah, I do. I, I do. do um, you, when you go into purchases, if you flip past your purchased video uh, item in the side menu bar and you flip back up to it, does it just sit there and spin? Yeah. Why? What? Exactly. <sighs> I have so many problems with TV. It's been I doing think that the, for two updates now. I, I, I have so many problems with TV, the, the app. I really like the theory, it in theory. Um, it's problematic, one, because, you know, Netflix isn't part of it. So that's a huge amount of content that's not part of it, right? right? So that's number one. Um, and, and, you know, do what you need to do to make it right. Like Netflix is already making they make a lot of money and, and know that they have a lot of users on Apple TV. I understand Apple TV is not their number one you know, platform. I think probably Roku is uh, followed by some, probably some of the video game consoles. Um, but, but, but Apple TV is certainly an important part of that ecosystem. Make, make the deals, make it work. You know, yeah. you, you got the Siri stuff working. Um, you know, they, 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 so you're one step away. I don't know whatever, whatever you need to do, get it done. That's number one. I think that the bigger kind of problem too is that you know we even promised the single sign-on cable system stuff. Now I know you don't subscribe to cable, but I do, and I don't know if my ISP in um, Seattle will be supported. But my ISP, who is very good in Brooklyn, is not supported. 
And so, you know, I still have to manually sign into all those apps <laughs> and some of those apps are supported and some of them aren't, but it becomes a frustrating thing for me, both on like the Apple TV and on the iPad to have to like manually kind of have all the apps installed, make sure I've opened them and whatnot. And then some of those shows will show up and then sometimes they won't. And it just, you know, I, I like the promise of all, again, it's not dissimilar from Hulu's kind of approach to what they're trying to do with, with their live product, which is to have all your programming in one place. And I get that that's what Apple's trying to do. I just don't think it's been executed well. And that could be for a lot of reasons, but it's, but I had that same problem with you or your purchases. It just goes to spinning and then like, you just have to, like, it's just frustrating. Like you have to like back out and go to the main menu and like go into it again. Um, you know, I don't know. It, it, it just, there, there, there are bugs that haven't seemed to be worked out. So, do you know, do you know what Viacom's, uh, thought process was in pulling 30 plus of their shows from Hulu? Um, yeah, I mean a lot of their, uh, so Viacom is trying to do their own kind of network. I think they want to create their own bundle. Okay. Um, but they, they're sucking at it so far. I agree. They are. CBS all access is terrible. Uh, and I think that Comedy the Viacom, central app is terrible. All of their yeah. streaming stuff bogs down. You can tell that that they did not prepare themselves for what would happen when they made everyone who watched the daily show and at midnight on Hulu go to their server instead. Like it's, uh, it's a mess. And the, uh, the refresh updates on new episodes are horrible and you have to have five different apps to watch the shows that used to all be together. Well, and then what's even worse is that you have all these like cord cutting, like skinny bundle services, like, you know, like a Hulu uh, live with live TV and, and, and YouTube TV and, and, uh, you know, um, these other services, uh, PlayStation view, um, and Viacom's not there and, right. and that's by design. Now they are on direct TV now and on sling people will be like, Oh, well they're, they're happy with those services. No, they're not. They're legally, um, obligated to be on direct TV now and sling because of, there was a dish there was so so sling is owned by dish network and there was a lawsuit um over uh some of the dvr stuff uh between some of the networks including the viacom networks and and dish one of the provisions of that lawsuit is that they had to provide you know access to viacom's channels on the the sling tv service there's a similar pro view with uh with direct tv um, and Viacom. Um, so AT&T has some sort of special deal with them. It is not because Viacom wants to be there. I guarantee you that if they could get out of being on those services, they would. And that's why they pulled themselves from PlayStation View. That's why they never showed up on YouTube TV. And that's why they're not on Hulu. Um, and it's disappointing, right? Because, you know, I think Viacom thinks that their channels and their, and their shows are good enough for people to subscribe to their own thing. And it's like, you're not, you know, I, mean, yeah, like, I, I don't think that's true. But my fear, the reason it, it upsets me is that what if they're right? And what if everybody starts pulling back out into a mess of, I mean, the, the, the option to cut the cable is going would diminish greatly if you suddenly only had access to these shows through dedicated apps. Exactly. Exactly. And, and the it's thing about is, me, not about them. Come on. Right. Well, also, I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, they kind of lost the opportunity. They had the opportunity, all the cable companies did to, to really kind of put, I think these, these skinny bundle services, um, off or at least make them like less valuable years ago. So, I mean, TV everywhere has been a, a trend for, for, you know, six, seven years now. And, and that's the idea where you can log into those apps and log in with your cable company ID and watch, you right. know, shows. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, and, and TV everywhere I think is a great thing, but again, it's frustrating to make everybody use all the apps and, and, and some, some service providers would support them and some wouldn't. Um, 
you know, you know, some, some cable companies would support things and some wouldn't, but like, I'd always kind of been of the opinion that if the Comcast of the world had been willing to allow people to watch TV in a web browser and watch it from multiple locations and watch it on an iPad, um, you know, outside of the home years ago, a lot of people, not everybody who cut the cord, certainly, but a lot of people who were looking at cutting the cord wouldn't have because they, it wasn't that they didn't want, you know, access to the content. They didn't like the inflexibility that they were given. You know, it, part of the, the reason that, that these services are, are attractive, not just because they cost less than cable, although once you get the channels you really want, they're not that less expensive than cable. Um, but because you have the opportunity to watch things later, to do cloud DVRs, to watch things in other locations where you don't have to be stuck uh, with, um, you know, the, the the confines of a traditional cable subscription. And I feel like, again, there still would have been plenty of people who would have looked at cutting the cord for various reasons. But a lot of people who were overall happy and are now paying for these other services would have been willing to stick with it if the cable companies of the Comcast of the world had just been willing to like be more open and give people more value for their money. Yeah. Yeah. Lots, so many missed opportunities. So many. I mean, and, and, but you're right, you know, the, the Viacom stuff leaving, you know, Hulu, I mean, is a big problem, uh, but you know, Hulu at the same time, like all the Fox stuff just left Netflix. So, you know, Buffy and Arrested Development and, and, um, all kinds of shows just left Netflix, but they are on Hulu. So it's like one of those, like, it's weird. It's a, we're in a weird, we're in a weird like place where some the, 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 the major places with the current programs either want you to buy them or have a cable subscription to watch them online. Um, and then the legacy content is slowly going away because Netflix only wants originals. And so it's like the value of these services is depleting all the time. And, uh, what's going to wind up happening is that for a lot of people will just wind up, you know, subscribing to like, you know, these skinny bundle services that cost them the same as cable. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And it's like, Oh, okay. We, we returned to what we had 10 years ago, but <laughs> slightly different. Oh, kind of like we just renewed the war on drugs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I would love to get into politics, but we're short on time. And honestly, time. I feel ill. So I, yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't want to push that. Oh, we're on drugs and somehow we're going back to the whole net neutrality discussion already. Oh, God. Uh, I mean, and we're going to lose because, yeah, it, it is. It is to me. It's a very hopeless proposition. Uh, <laughs> the arguments being made have nothing to do with the best interest of the American people. So. Uh, I don't know why it would matter what the American people have to say. However, on that note, uh, uh, Dear FCC, uh, a website from the EFF, makes it really easy to put together a form letter. And then John Oliver put out, they, they got the URL gofccyourself.com. And it will take you to the now buried comment form. Oh, because of a procedural quirk, the FCC will not be considering any comments on the issue of net neutrality that are su submitted over the next week or so. We'll update you again when the comments are officially open. Uh, in the interim, you'll have to find something else to be mad about on the Internet. Best of luck with that. So for a while, that address would take you directly to a, a way to comment on the current uh, reforms. Uh, that was buried like eight links deep and you had to enter uh, the ID number and everything. 
And then uh, apparently now that is not possible anymore. But go find Dear FCC from the EFF. Oh, man, yeah. this links to a PDF. Uh, restoring Internet Freedom Notice of the Proposed Rulemaking is included in the list of items to be considered. FCC longstanding rules that apply to... Pro- yeah, okay, so they basically they said they don't want to hear it. The Sunshine Agenda period. <laughs> It'll begin on May 12th. Check back then. At least give it a shot. You know, especially with sites that make it really easy to write a form letter and send it without you even having to make a phone call. Go do it. Save what we can. Especially since the guy in charge of the whole thing now is a former Verizon lawyer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ajapai, he's he's wor- he's the worst. I mean, he's I mean, look, Tom Wheeler had worked, I think, for Comcast. I mean, he was a um, a suit, too, but he at least was like thinking for the best of the people, you know, (laughs) whereas this guy very much came in with, with the express concern of like rolling everything back and doing what he could to undo the years, um, that had just taken place. And, and I, and we're going to lose it. You know, we're, we're never neutrality is going away. It it, it is like the, I, I wish that we would be able to win the fight, but I feel like the malaise, we talked about this last podcast where like the malaise of people, like wanting to reach out. I mean, you know, healthcare is like a, a, a much bigger and more important concern, and we're and we're and and that is is you know at risk because of the AHCA, and and that's a much bigger problem. You know, I I understand that people kind of are overwhelmed. I'm like, I just can't deal with this neutrality fight again. You know? Yeah. Especially since the commissioners and the commission are all people who are going to want to turn this around. So like, I don't even know, like calling, I don't even know. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not I, saying don't do it, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, but I don't know how it helps. I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I see it as very futile right now, which is depressing. It is depressing. I mean, I'm at least happy that I'm moving to, um, a state in a, in a, in a city where they just passed ordinances, um, not allowing the ISP privacy stuff to happen. So yeah. basically like Seattle, um, passed a, a local kind of law that's like, yeah, ISPs can't sell your data. I I hope if that's not already in Minnesota, I hope it will be. That I will make calls about because I believe my state will stand up to it. We'll see. I also believe my state will protect our health care for as long as it can. They've already passed passed uh, stuff through the house. You know how they give uh, they're giving states the option to opt out of the opting out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minnesota's already taken steps to maintain everyone's health care as is for a while. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm screwed without it. So. Uh, so many people are. And it's a real problem. Good discussion. We, we, yeah. we did politics without doing politics. That was. We did. It was perfect. Yeah. We talked about TV. That feels better right now. On a hangover episode. Totally TV. <sighs> Love it. All right. Well, I'm super happy about your uh, your your exciting new future. I hope your move goes really well. Thank you. And uh, and I will I will contact you uh, over time, and we will figure out the future of Overtired. And uh, I guarantee there will be at least one more episode. So keep oh, it, keep us in your in your subscriptions. 
keep us in your subscriptions. And honestly, like, I don't want to overpromise anything, but I'm, I'm really, I really want to continue to continue to do the show with you. And maybe, with maybe it'll turn out so well that you'll be doing it every week and, and it'll yeah. be like a regular show again. I mean, that would be amazing. Uh, that, that would be the, the best case scenario. Worst case scenario, we have like a once a year, amazing, just bitch fest about like <laughs> everything that happened over the course of a year. Totally. All right. Well, all right. Good luck. Make sure you get some sleep. Those moves can be stressful. I will. And and, and you, you too, man. Get some sleep. <laughs> the system is going down low.